Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. For your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 187 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I've got a real treat for you because we're going to discuss the new comic Pray for Angels, which is described this way. When terror strikes the heart of Paris and Parisian police are baffled by these gruesome murders, Detective Shelby of the mighty Scotland Yard is asked to bring his expertise to a case that might not be what it seems. And we'll get into more of the description of that, but I'll be talking with writer Christian Fraga and Ben Chadwick, who is coordinating this project, is involved with Christian and bringing it to a local theater near you. And of course, because it's a think production, we get to talk with Ruben Romero, a favorite of mine in this podcast. We discuss how the project came to be, what kinds of things are going on on the characterization, as well as the art and other good things about when you might see Pray for Angels at Comixology or in other venues. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the podcast, Ruben Romero from Think Alike Productions. How are you doing, Ruben? I'm doing good, Wayne. How's everything going with you? Good, and you've got two folks that you work with. You're creating a great book called Pray for Angels. One is Christian Fraga, and the other is Benjamin Charbet. Ruben, the book we want to talk about is Pray for Angels. Do you want to give us some kind of background or some history on it and how the book came to be? Basically, it's Christian's baby as far as the idea and the concept goes. He wrote a wonderful screenplay that him and Benjamin both kind of agreed to go forward with in a comic book format on the project. And they tapped me to take that screenplay and adapt it into a graphic novel, comic book, a five-issue miniseries. So we're in the middle of that. We're down to issue four. We've got three issues pretty much done. Mm -hmm. Issue one was just released on Comixology. But yeah, as far as the history goes, Christian could probably tell you better where the idea spawned from and how it came to be. Okay, Christian, where did uh, the story for Pray for Angels come from? 
Well, I mean, the trick is not giving anything up because I think you're up to issue two, correct? Right. That's right. That's what I read. So I don't want to say anything that's going to give anything away. Okay. But essentially, I'm a filmmaker uh, based out of New York City, and Ben was uh, the producer of my last picture. And we had a really fantastic collaboration, and we started saying, well, what's our next project? And Ben had actually challenged me with coming up with an idea, jokingly saying, hey, come up with something exciting, come up with something commercial. And of course, I said, all right, well, I'll see what I can do. And time passed, and then this idea for Pray for Angels came. It's essentially a gothic thriller in 1901 Paris, and as a filmmaker, I got really excited about going into that world and my favorite writers Edgar Allan Poe and I thought a real good kind of mystery yarn hasn't been done a period mystery yarn in terms of a two-hour picture in a while and I came up with an idea and when Ben and I hooked up together in New York I said hey listen like I said, imagine it's uh, Seven Meets the Age of Innocence in 1901 Paris, and it involved one key historical figure in Jack the Ripper. And I thought I have something interesting here and something fun and maybe kind of a new spin on the myth, mm-hmm. a kind of a new way into material that people have historically been really excited by. And I pitched the idea. Ben said, that's fantastic. And we started the journey into the screenplay and the film. I'll throw this back and say this comic book is really Ben and Ruben's baby. I uh, had the screenplay, and Ben and I kind of talked about what was going on in his life, and he was telling me about the, the gang at Think Alike. And we said, hey, well, this kind of material would probably translate into a fun ride and a pretty fantastic comic book. And that's when I met Ruben, and we hit it off. And he said, listen, I dig your story. And I said, great, man, this is your world. And here's the screenplay, and we adapted it into what now you're reading up to in issue two. Ben, how many issues is this going to be? It's going to be five issues. Issue four is almost halfway done. Three issues are completely done in terms of color, art, and letters. Waiting on issue two to be released on Comixology imminently now. And uh, yeah, so I've known Christian since, I'm going to say, 2006 on the project that we talked about called Severe Clear, which was a very great documentary about a different perspective on the war in Iraq. And while the movie was out uh, in theaters and we're working on the next project, as he said, I was like, well, you know, I really like this type of genre. Can you come up with something? See if you can come up with something. As he said, I challenged him. And then I think a couple weeks later, I went to the office and we went to Starbucks and he's like, sit down and get ready for a hell of a ride. So I'm sitting down and... He tells me this story, and I'm like, I got goosebumps behind my back. I'm like, oh my god, this is like the coolest thing ever. So he's very active currently in the film of it, and he can discuss more details about that. And then I moved to Miami, and I met Ruben through his wife, Bethany. And as Christian mentioned, I started getting involved with Think Alike. And then I was like, wait a second, hmm. I wonder if this film could be translated. So at first I talked to Ruben, because he's the expert in terms of comic books. And he really liked the story. And then we started on this journey with everybody and Sajad as the artist, I believe, in January of this year. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to see the first two issues, which I really like. I love the art, but I do have to say, having read the second issue, you pull a Jeff Johns on us in the sense that you have a big surprise at the very end of the book. And you guys are mean to do that to us (laughs) because now I've got to wait for the next book to come out because all of a sudden you get to the last page and you go, wait a second, that can't be the end. Because you're obviously laughing. You know there's a big surprise 
surprise for us there. And I, I love that. I thought that was great. There's nothing better than a book that can surprise me because I've read books for a long time. And if I can read a comic that'll catch me off guard, then I really like that. So I think all you guys have done a great job on Pray for Angels. I like it a lot. No, thank well, you. I, I, not only thank you, and of course, I mean, like you've mentioned, you've read a lot of comic books. So it's always interesting to get somebody's perspective that has been in the industry, constantly reading books, what their initial beat on the story is. And that just goes to show you what a great writer Christian is. And we're lucky enough to have that screenplay as a blueprint, as a foundation to put this comic book together. Now, Christian, let me ask you something, because I wasn't aware of the fact this is a movie too. You're filming this as well? Well, that's what we're putting together now. It's a long process to get a film up and running, but as Ben said, our last picture, Severe Clear, it's been a success. And the good news is now we're in a position where people are saying, well, what's your next picture? And we went off and we came up with this idea, but it's a tough movie to get off the ground because it is a period piece. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you can just walk down and start shooting. It's a lot of machinery to get it off the ground. And while I've been putting it together, that's when kind of Ben and I had spoken and said, hey, listen, at the end of the day, this is a story we want to tell. And like I said, he started hooking up with the Thinkalike gang and it was like, hey, you know what? Here's a way to get the story out there while we're putting the film together. And it's actually been interesting because, again, I'm not a comic book guy. I'm coming at it as a writer who's saying, I want you guys to sit down and hear a great yarn. And it's reassuring to hear you were saying, well, what happens next? Mm -hmm. And that was the goal. And it's a totally different discipline than doing a 120-page screenplay where a lot of it is visual and a lot of it you're sitting down in two hours and I have your attention on the movie screen and I thought well what a fun and exciting challenge to see how this could be done in a way where you know tune in next week and that's where really kind of Ruben takes it and says okay well comics are my game this is what I'm thinking what do you think about this and it's been an interesting ride to kind of see how the material really does fit into that cliffhanger scenario, but at the same time, it's been designed as a cohesive whole. So I'm actually getting the issues when they're done and reading it issue by issue, and it's kind of exciting. Like, I haven't seen issue four, so I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of seeing, okay, what did these guys hatch? What does this look like? What is the next kind of scare and surprise? So that's been kind of fun to look at my own material done through their vision and seeing it in a kind of whole new way, which is exciting. No, no. Ruben, you adapted the script, obviously. How has it been for you? Because normally you have a comic script, you don't necessarily have a movie script as well. So how was it like to take a movie idea and turn it into a comic? It's been a fun ride. I mean, I can't lie. I mean, obviously my background, I wrote fan fiction as a kid. And obviously, you know that I'm writing comic books now. Mm -hmm. And the end game for me has always been to write for TV or movies. So to be able to have something like this, a screenplay that is of this quality, to be able to learn from it, has been a great learning tool, has been a great experience. Breaking it down panel for panel has been a challenge. Me and Ben constantly go back and forth. If it was up to me, I would have 28 pages, 32 pages. But, you know, with all of these things, budget, time constraints, all of those things come into play. So since day one, I've always wanted to stay respectful to the screenplay. I've always been one that if I read a novel and then I go see it, the movie based on the novel, I'm one of those guys that walks out of the theater and it's like, 
ah, the book was better. And, you know, I just uh, I wanted the movie and the screenplay and the comic book to obviously be different because I know that what Christian's going to do in the movie is going to be worlds apart from what's in the comic book. But I wanted to pay respect. I wanted to make sure that we stay true to the DNA of the story and that none of those things changed. And yeah, I can't say anything but good things. It's been a great ride. And honestly, if I ever get tapped to do it again, I'd be giddy as a schoolgirl. I'd be happy as heck because I love doing that. I love taking somebody's vision and kind of giving it my own touch, my own feel, but at the same time, like I said, staying true to the DNA, to what made that story great in the first place. Well, Ben, do you kind of coordinate between the two, like the film and the comic, or what's your role in all this, in the setup of this? Well, unlike Christian and Ruben, I don't write. My background is more business. I'm not going to pretend to be a writer or an artist. So what I do is basically coordinate. I look at the script. Ruben adapts it. I make sure that I deal with Christian, make sure that certain things, as Ruben mentioned, are in their essential core to fit to the 24 pages. Sometimes there's certain things that need to be rearranged dialogue-wise. I want to make sure that Christian's okay with that so that, again, this is the same. And then I deal with Ruben and Sajan and George on the edits and the art. I approve all the art. I approve all the colors and the edits that need to be done. And then Ruben basically deals with Sajad and George to give him a little bit of guidance in terms of like, well, this page is broken down this way. So this bit of detail is there. So I'm more of like the, I would say the producer on the Pray for Angels comic book, mm-hmm. which has always been the type of role I've been in, even in film, mm-hmm. more on the, uh, on that side of things, dealing with the creatives. Sometimes I come up with an idea and I surprise myself. But I'm not going to pretend to be an artist or a writer whatsoever. I've read the Pray for Angels script since inception, Mm -hmm. and I've seen how the story has moved along from when it first started to now. And I mean, I just can't wait. This is one of the going to be one of those sleeper hit films. And Mm -hmm. from the reviews and from the reception so far of the comic book, I think people are going to be in for a hell of a ride, a hell of a surprise, and creative, innovative. And you know, some people are going to be like, "What kind of demented mind comes up with this story?" (laughs) I'm like, don't look at me. It's Christian Fraga. (laughs) But there's a plug for you, right? Well, let's go right to that demented mind, and let's ask, why Paris? Because this whole book is set in Paris, which is interesting, because, you know, Jack the Ripper, of course, we associate with London, with England. So why move to Paris? What did that accomplish as far as storytelling? Well, one is to actually subvert people's expectations, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody already has a pretty set standard vision of Jack the Ripper, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cobblestones and the mist and the top hat and the whole. So a, a kind of thing was if you're really into the whole mythology of Jack the Ripper and if you're a Ripperologist, everything in this comic is historically accurate to the details of the Jack the Ripper murders. So this isn't a reinvention or a reboot, what we're saying is this is our kind of attempt to perhaps shed light on the actual events of Jack the Ripper. So it's not the same time period. It's now 13 years after those initial Whitechapel murders. And we're kind of saying, well, this is our counter myth to why that mystery has never been solved. We're going to solve it for you. And this is what we're going to put forth as the kind of our little spin on the mythology. And Paris is key also because of the time period. You're talking about this time period is the Belle Epoque. You're talking about science and technology reaching this kind of apex that had never been done before. You're talking about the beginning of forensics, the beginning of cinema, the beginning of kind of this new hope in the world. 
And of course, Paris symbolizes that. And Paris is all about the good life and kind of the new century. And historically, if you look at all the innovations and everything that was happening at that time, I thought it was just ripe, the perfect environment to drop Jack the Ripper into and drop the audience into. And of course, it's also, you know, you're talking about the storm brewing that will ultimately be World War One, and Paris is just coming out of not so much earlier, some really dark periods in their own history. So it was a fascinating time to re-pick up this mythological character. It's just funny that right in the middle of an optimistic era, in drops Jack the Ripper, which is the most pessimistic thing possible. <laughs> yeah, well, which actually does play a part in the whole kind of, um, again, it's more subtextual, but it's kind of like, hey, let's talk about the horrors that are yet to unfold and humanity's on the verge of getting into the first great war. And, you know, you have a lot of storm clouds coming. So I thought, wow, this is an interesting time period where it seemed like the promise of everything. It's also horse and carriage. You're beginning to change into the automobile is coming in. And what does that do with life and industries changing? And how does that change urban life versus living out into the, you know, in the farmlands and how that's the whole structure of society is changing? And boom, you drop Jack the Ripper with the press really exploding at that time period. So it's ripe for this kind of gothic thriller. That's also Paris. Mm-hmm. No, what better city on earth outside of I'm going to plug Manhattan that's my home that's where I love it you know but Paris my god that's where you want to be mm-hmm. <laughs> oh it's a very perfect setting for it because you know it, there's no better place than like you know in the biblical story where heaven is a perfect place and suddenly Lucifer falls out and so you need perfection in order to make evil seem all the worse exactly and that time period again like I said that is the Belle Epoque that is the time period where, man, everybody believes, what are the innovations? Where are we going next? And what a bright future. Well, drop Jack the Ripper in the heart of that bright future, and you begin to see a lot of the underbelly of society and what's really festering under that. Mm-hmm. Now, Ruben, why don't you talk about the artist, who I really enjoyed his art on this, and the coloring is done really well, too. It pulls us into the story real nicely, you know, as, from a visual perspective. Instead of having, you know, video and stuff, now you have to use the printed page, which has cer- certain advantages and disadvantages to it. How did you choose this artist? You know, how have you felt the process has gone? I think that I've got a dream team, really, to be honest with you. Sajad Shah is probably, if not, top five indie artist right now. I mean, the fact that he's not working for Marvel or DC or one of the big guys is just, uh, it's its a blessing for me, obviously, for us at Thinkalike. But he's amazing to work with. I mean, the level of detail, the level of dedication that he shows to this book, that he's shown to this book from right from the beginning has been amazing. George Cortez, which is our colorist, was a beautiful find. I met him through Bob Sally, which you know, he's uh, the creator of Salvagers. He introduced me to George. And me and George hit it off. We both have a Hispanic background. We're able to talk to each other in Spanish, which is fresh and new for me because I'm always talking to all my other guys who live here in the States. He lives in Mexico. And he's amazing. He's amazing. I mean, he really brings Sajad's art to life. Some of the stuff that he's doing in these next few issues is just amazing. We just got a page from issue four where, I mean, he paints the sky this orange at dust type of color. It looks real. It looks like if somebody took a picture on their phone or their, like an HD camera and like a digital camera and put it into the panel. But it's all him with his colors. I've got the pleasure of working with two of the best right now that I feel that are in the indie circuit. So it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. 
Now, Ben, of course, you got this whole ball rolling by liking the genre. And you said you were very pleased when you read the script. Did you have high expectations going into this? I mean, you know, if you're familiar with the genre, it seems to me that you were the one that had to be impressed out of the whole business because you understood it. Yeah, I mean, as Christian and Ruben know, in terms of my personality, yes, uh, high expectations, absolutely. So initially when we were looking for an artist, we did a test and had a bunch of tests from deviant-type artists. And then Ruben, via Instagram, tagged me on a post from Sajjad Shah, and I looked at that, and it was like, I don't remember what the drawing was, but I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing. And then I met him at Miami Supercon, and I saw his sketchbook, and I was like, this is the guy that's going to pull off Pray for Angels, because in terms of the detail, in terms of the character drawings and things of that nature, I just was like blown away. And in the beginning, he had to create some of the major characters and get used to what they would look like. So it took a few runs at Bergeon, at Shelby. But then when he got it, it was just like smooth sailing from there. And, you know, he's very accessible. His action, his detail, it just keeps on getting better. I think the cover for issue three is just phenomenal. That came from an idea from Christian, as a matter of fact. He actually was thinking about an idea because I asked him, what do you think we should do for issue three cover because of a certain character? And you'll see it when you see it. So he came up with the idea and then Sajad drew it. And I was like, oh, my God, it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And then he keeps raising his bar, mm -hmm. which means that I keep raising my expectations and I keep pushing him and he keeps pushing himself. So it's working out. And in terms of George, in terms of the colors, Sometimes I tell Ruben when he go over it, I'm like, what do you want me to say? I mean, it's just like, how does he do this? <laughs> um, you know, in the beginning, he had to get some consistency in terms of this minor details. But uh, it just, as Ruben said, that one page in issue four where there's the sky, it, it's, it's real. It looks real. It yeah. looks real. It's amazing. Very cool. Now, Christian, I've got to ask you about the title. Because Pray for Angels, I would expect the pray to be P-R-A-Y. Well, it's funny because after I think you read the whole cycle, it'll be a lot more clear. So without giving anything away, but yeah, I mean it's the play on that title, which a certain character will touch up on something. It's really all about thematically when you peel everything away, what exactly is happening and how it all kind of wraps up into the mystery and what ultimately we kind of unravel. So it's kind of, I know that just sounded like the, the, the most nebulous answer ever, but it's, <laughs> I'm trying not to give anything away in the slightest in terms of what you guys are in store for. And again, I'm actually with you. I haven't seen the next issues either. So I'm kind of eagerly anticipating how Ruben and the gang pulled off what's to come and that ties into why the spelling and not the spelling but the specific word prey is used in the title the way we use it mm -hmm. what's it been like to experience comics because you said you weren't a comics guy had you read comics before or was this kind of your first experience with it yeah I mean I read it I've probably read a lot more than I realized but I'm a Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Twilight Zone and Star Trek guy so yeah. That was really the extent of the comic books I had read growing up. But I picked up maybe a couple of issues of G.I. Joe randomly. But comics, that's not really my – that's not really where I went for my stories. I've been impressed by certain things and I've tried to – I read you know, from hell parts of it actually, not even the whole thing. So it, it's <laughs> never been my – what I've done though is I actually go to a lot of comic book shops and I love hanging out and I love getting the energy of seeing – the work that's being put out there. Mm. I love being around all of this amazing creative energy and seeing 
like I said, the stuff that people are putting out there. Because at the end of the day, we're all storytellers. Mm-hmm. My canvas happens to be the movie screen. Mm-hmm. And that's usually a marathon. Mm-hmm. Getting a movie done is a marathon. So what I thought was going to be really exciting was kind of seeing, well, let's get into comic books and see how this is done and see how this kind of world comes together. And, and it really has been interesting because, again, this is the way Ruben sees this world. Mm-hmm. And early on, I think a lot of the negotiations where Ben really helped the cause was I would give notes and give ideas. And I began to realize that, you know what, this is their thing. This is the prism from which Ruben sees this world, whereas as a film, it's a very visual story. Mm-hmm. Because I've designed it and I'm doing a lot of conceptual artwork when I'm writing it. And it's interesting because that artwork looks different than the comic book. Mm-hmm. So it's a really wild way to see how these worlds mesh. And that's really how I got into comics. And now I'm really into uh, Manifest Destiny. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys read that mm-hmm. comic book. But as a Lewis and Clark fan, I started reading that. But mm-hmm. that, it's not really my thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Christian, I have to recommend the agency to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I did. That was the reason why I even got into this because Ben had said, "Hey, listen, totally unrelated to Prey, this is the kind of thing I'm getting into. Check it out. What do you think?" And I remember, I think I saw an early. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. It was like an early version or an early pitch of it. And then I hadn't seen it in a while. And then I remember seeing the artwork and reading the issue, and it was fun. It was exciting and. I was like, all right, Ben, I, I trust you. You guys know what you're doing. <laughs> so, there you go. Happy hunting. <laughs> now, I have to say, Ben can probably attest to this, too, is that the great thing about comics is you have a, almost an unlimited budget as far as things go. You have to pay for the artist and all this <laughs> stuff. But as far as like special effects and costuming and filming and all this stuff, a comic is a much less expensive way to get a story out, and you're able to read stuff. And you, some comics, I think, are actually proposals for movies is the way I look at them. Did you kind of look at the comic that way, Ben? How did this compare to making the film? Well, I think that... Obviously, budget-wise, it's a big, big, big difference between a film and a comic book. You get your story out a lot quicker. I think that the comic book and the film go hand-in-hand in in terms of cross-promotion. So as the book is out, as press comes out, it helps explain to investors in the film that this is not just a film. There's intellectual property behind it. You know, you can see much more further ahead. And I think that's why I like this comic book world, because I look at it as you develop intellectual property, like the agency, and you can put it in other mediums. Like Christian was, I hadn't read comics since I was a kid. Marvel, DC, I had read French comics, because that's where I'm from. But it had been maybe 30 years since I even remember what a comic book looked like. I'd seen comic book movies and things of that nature, but I was like, eh, I'm sitting and just reading a comic book. What's that all about? Mm-hmm. And then when I met Ruben's wife and she told me about it, I was like very intrigued. I really liked the story. And then as Ruben can attest, since we worked together, I mean, it's just like I go to these comic book conventions and I'm like, this is another world that is <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now now I can't stop talking about comic books. I, mean, <laughs> I see every comic book movie. I watch every comic book TV show. On Facebook, I hunt for this stuff, and I tag Ruben before he even sees it. And he's like, geez. <laughs> it's just like I'm obsessed with this. And so between the stuff we're doing with Think Alike and Pray for Angels and a couple other things, it's just that's where my head's at. It's just I love it. And, you know, I even got my niece into it. And even the people at work I work with, We'll be casually talking and they're like, oh, you do comic books? I'm like, yeah. So I show them the website 
It's like, oh, my husband or my wife or my daughter loves comic books. And boom, new fans right there <laughs> at work in a very corporate environment dealing with banks. And there's like we're talking for half an hour about Ant-Man or something like that. You know, it's really it's awesome. I love it. If I could throw in one thing, too, which is interesting in terms of film and comic books is the adaptation that we're doing because of budget is a different version of where the movie's going to go. Because the movie, like you said in the comic book, in terms of the panels, if you want 200 extras or 300 extras or a party and this and that, you could just you know draw it up. Mm-hmm. So it's great that this scale of this story is going to have a life in comic book form because – when I'm writing, you do storyboards and you do production paintings and everybody would look at what we were putting together and you do animatics and everybody said, my gosh, this makes a fantastic comic or animated series. Mm-hmm. And it's actually pretty gratifying because the version that I am right now working around the clock to commit to film because of budgetary necessity, it's been kind of the mother of invention of how to rewrite the story and really get scope and ideas and it's the same characters, the same story, but it's just a different scope. So it's actually exciting to see this comic book come out because certainly fans of the comic book and then hopefully the fans of the movie, they'll be able to kind of see the translation of this story in the different mediums and really study and analyze the difference of style, scope, execution, and budget with the same story. And now I'm really dying to read issue five. <laughs> dying and well, you got to get to issue three first. That's true. We got to get to that. But anyway, Ben, as far as the movie goes, do you have any expected time when this film is going to be completed? Well, I mean, I'm going to defer to Christian about that, but okay. I believe that we're moving as quickly as possible. The goal is to shoot next summer, but uh, Christian can speak to that because he works for that every day. But next summer is the goal to shoot. Yeah, that's the general plan. I mean, again, we're right now in the middle of funding. Mm -hmm. And the picture is not, you know, without having obviously to tip my hand because we're doing business deals, stuff like that. You know, you're talking about it's over $5 million picture, Mm -hmm. a little under $12 million, which again, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, when studios doing $150 million movies, doesn't sound like that much. Mm -hmm. But to pull off this kind of movie with the scope and the feel, it's all essentially European financing. And it's going to be an interesting uh, picture to put together, and that's what we're doing. So the goal is, yeah, tail end of summer 2016, right before the fall is when we'd love to get into production. And then, you know, you figure about a year after that. So like I said, it's a marathon. So general release, how's this going to go out? How are you going to make this available to the public, Kristen? Oh, the film? Yeah. Uh, You'll be hopefully having a huge tub of popcorn. Okay. At the multiplex and watching okay. it on a big screen mm-hmm. with 400 or 500 other strangers in the dark, and uh, we're going to take you for a ride. Great. We're looking forward to that. Now, Ruben, we'll wrap up with you on the comic. Issue number two, what's the release date? You said you're waiting for Comixology to put it out at the moment. It's eminent, yeah. We're waiting for them to put their Comixology touch on it. So we should be finding out in the next week or so. I think uh, probably next week we'll find out a solid date. We've already got issue three ready to go to submit to them as well. Issue four is halfway through production already. And issue five is uh, we're finalizing the script and and getting approval. And uh, we'll be moving on that. So hopefully, you know, we'll be able to release a trade through Diamond early next year. Okay, that's good. And let's see. So basically, uh, early next year. So we'll be getting a bi-monthly, you figure? 
We're going to try to stick to monthly. I think that okay. with my relationship with Comixology, I think we might be able to squeeze in issue two by the end of this month. And again, for your listeners out there, we'll be at New York Comic Con. and New York Comic Con, we will have at least issue one, if not the trade, available there. And Sajad will be there to sign them for you as well. But yeah, you'll get a little taste. You'll be able to hold Pray for Angels in your hand come October at New York Comic Con. That'd be cool, because as, as great as digital comics are, there's still something great about holding a paper comic in your hand. So, I always refer back to that Stan Lee quote. He says, boobs look good on the screen, but they feel better in your hand. And, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the same thing with comic books, so I think it's true. <laughs> well, you guys are doing a great job. I love the book. I can't wait to get to, to see how this all wraps up and what this all means, because it's a fun book and a great story with lots of surprises on the way. So you guys are doing a great job. And, you know, keep it up. I'd like to see more product from you guys as we move forward. Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Stay tuned for something really special. Okay. Okay, Ben. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> so thanks, you guys. And we'll look forward to maybe hopefully getting to talk with you again sometime. Absolutely. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you very much. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. Flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe news, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's it for this week. Please be back next time when I'll be speaking with another great comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics. What's that? More the tumbler? Oh, you wouldn't be interested in that. This baby works just fine. So what do you think? Does it come in black?